May I direct your thoughts to Matthew chapter 8 and we shall uh, read 2 and 3, verses 2 and 3. Chapter 8 in Matthew and verses 2 and 3. <clears throat> and behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. In scripture, we find that the mind, body, sickness, salvation, sin are interconnected and we see in various parts of the scripture this connection very clearly set before us. For example in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 6 we read from the sole of the foot even unto the head there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. There is a deep and mysterious connection that clearly sets before us aspects that we have to handle very carefully as we ought all of Scripture because Scripture tells us that we only know in part and we see in part. And when the great Apostle Paul sets forth the reality of the limitations of man's understanding. <clears throat> Who are we that we should assume that we can reach into the infinity of God? And we have to bear that in mind always. And we have to be careful that we would be delivered from adding to the scriptures or taking away from scripture. It is a great sin, a terrible presumption and something that the Lord will chastise us for it. And so when we look at this situation we have to remind ourselves that although sickness and illness, and in this case leprosy, is associated with a situation that brings a lot of suffering 
uh, to a certain individual. Nevertheless, we must not assume that he was a greater sinner than other Jews of his time. We read in Luke chapter 13, verse 2, where Christ says, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans that they suffered such things. And we have to remind ourselves that some of the most beautiful portrayals of character set before us people who suffered greatly in this life. We have only to remind ourselves of the parable that our Lord told about the rich man and the Lazarus. And you will remember that Lazarus was a sick man and chronically so. He was not able to work and to provide for himself. The rich man, of course, had a surplus and uh, the poor beggar, because he had to beg for his food, received the uh, the surpluses from the rich man's table. But then the parable tells us that death came. The rich man died and Lazarus died. Lazarus, we are told, opened his eyes in the select place where he was described as being in Abraham's bosom, a biblical way of setting forth the honor and the blessing that he received at death. But we read of the rich man that he opened his eyes in torment and so we see right through scripture that you find lovely Christians who were very rich, very privileged, and you find lovely Christians that were penniless and had to struggle against ill health all their days. So that when we think of sin and illness or sickness or circumstances, only God is judge of these circumstances, not us. And we have to be careful when we exercise judgment, especially on other people. We are very, very ready to observe the failings and the sins of others, but we are not so ready to realize 
that we harbour in our own selves the sin that if it was marked against us would bring us into immediate condemnation. And so we see this situation developing before us and uh, we see how uh, our, the leper uh, came and worshipped saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And together, hopefully, we will try to expand thoughts, first of all, about the leper himself, then his request, and last of all, our Lord's answer. Now, leprosy in the days of Christ was a disease that was incurable. It is not so now, but uh, medical science had not yet developed among the the Hebrews. Referral in cases of illness were made to the priest. In the case of leprosy, certain signs were given, and if they were present, he could either pronounce the leper clean and could come into the community, back into the community, or declare him to be a leper where he had to separate from the community. Now, it's a very sad picture, the picture of the leper, as Scripture draws it for us. He was absolutely cut off from communion or fellowship of any kind with his fellow men. And if he was in a situation where another person came near him, he would cry out, unclean, unclean, to warn the other person not to come near him. I'm sure there were uh, things that were done to lessen the stress of the leper by worthy people, such as providing food and leaving it in certain areas and clothes and that sort of thing. I would imagine that that would have been prominent in Israel at that time. But his leprosy separated him from his fellow men. And we see in the case here that the leper um, begins by an act of worship. We are told there came a leper and worshipped him, 
saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now, it's a beautiful approach. There is no complaint, no why me. There is no self-pity that is in evidence. I'm sure it would lurk away in the corners of his thoughts from time to time. There is no person, but no human being, ordinary human being, that is not invaded by sin at one point or another point. But here in the situation, we see how the leper, as he was then in the times of our Lord, uh, we see how he is clearly in a situation where his condition is beyond human help. Only God can help. And there are many situations in our own life that is beyond human help. It requires God's help. And we see in what God does a measure of his greatness that brings encouragement to the poorest and to the vilest sinner. Now, he makes a request and he immediately makes an acknowledgement that he was a leper. He didn't try to hide or to communicate with our Lord in such a way that he could keep it private. Uh, he was in the presence of him who was greater, infinitely greater than any of the surrounding people. And we should always remember that, that when we are in the presence of God, and that is always, for he is omnipresent, he is present everywhere. There is no place where God is not. And when we are in the presence of God, we stand before someone who is greater than any human being. I recall a story when I was a boy about someone I knew very well and himself and another crofter were, uh, up, were speaking to someone high up in the position of the distribution of land and all that involved uh, renting and so on and um, 
he was Lord so-and-so. I can't remember what he, what, what he was. Uh, and uh, the brother, one brother, there were two brothers. And the one brother was Lord this, Lord that. He was all over him as far as his lordship was concerned. And the other person addressed him respectfully, but he never mentioned Lord. And the brother said to the man, to, to, to his own brother, do you not realize that you are in the presence of Lord so-and-so? And the brother replied, I stand before my maker. And the other person that was accompanying Lord so-and-so was so proud of what the crofter recognized a lordship that was infinitely superior to any lordship on this earth. And it is wonderful that there is no place where God is not. Now he acknowledges he was a leper, that Jesus was Lord, and that the will of Jesus was of first importance. He doesn't come with a request where he demands. We ought never to demand. We are not in a position to demand. It is disrespectful towards God. He says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now, the thought may pass through your mind, what about the Canaanite woman who was calling for the healing of her daughter and the disciples were telling her to go away. But remember that that Canaanite woman was very respectfully asking the Lord for help when nobody else could give her help. She wasn't demanding. She was praying to the Lord who was able to give her help. And the Lord answered her and commended her faith. And so we see here the leper saying, in a very in a very gracious way, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And it's a wonderful thing to believe, to be able to believe that the Lord Jesus can help us whatever the nature of our need may be. And he may answer us in different ways. He may answer us in the way that will bring immediate relief. And he may answer us in a way that will bring subsequent relief. But relief will come. No one has approached Christ and was turned away. When we come to our Lord, we come to the great physician 
who is able to meet us at the level of our need, whatever that level may be. And various levels are set before us in Scripture uh, to show us how wonderful our Lord and Saviour is. We see people with terrible reputations saved and become prominent in the church on the earth, such as the woman in Jericho who had a very bad reputation and then you come to the thief on the cross he was a murderer and he himself acknowledged on the cross that they were getting what they deserved and yet when that murderer, having repented, asked that the Lord would remember him when he would come into his kingdom, Christ said, today you shall be with me in paradise. Not as a murderer, but as a murderer saved by grace, cleansed from all sin, nothing that defiles, enters the paradise of God, nothing that defiles. And so we see the different ways in which God reaches out to sinners. Uh, one often thinks of Manasseh, who had the streets of Jerusalem running with the blood of the saints. He was a terrible man. He had a lovely father, Hezekiah, but he was a rebellious son and a pitiless kind of person. He waged a war against the believers uh, and uh, but he came to the point where he was stopped in his tracks and he was made a prisoner and he was in chains and when he was in chains he prayed to God and you would say to yourself, yes, when you're in trouble, you pray to God, the very God that you are attempting to destroy. But that is not the way that God answered him. But he did answer him. And he delivered him. And you and I would say, well, surely, of all people to pray, Manasseh would be the last person you would expect and if he did pray that God would not listen to him would have nothing to do with him but that is not what scripture tells us and again I think of uh, Mary Magdalene in whom there were seven devils now she must have been distraught we have no idea how she must have been torn apart through the invasion of these evil spirits. But she becomes prominent 
as a child of God, delivered by Jesus Christ, the devils were cast out. The devils were cast out. And on the morning of the resurrection, who do we find <coughs> weeping as he spoke to the gardener as she thought but was speaking to Christ, saying to him, if you have taken him, the tomb was empty. And she was saying, if, if you have taken him, tell me where you have put him so that I will take him. What was Mary Magdalene going to do with her corpse, with her body? But such was her love that, yes, she would and could do the impossible because of her love to him who restored her her life and cast out the seven devils. And then Christ spoke to her, Mary, and she recognized him. He's a wonderful saviour, a beautiful saviour. And the wonderful thing is that the Lord is able, so scripture tells us, the Lord is able to save unto the uttermost. And if you can plumb the uttermost of God, you can do what no other man can do. But none of us can. We have to remember that, the uttermost of God. And now he wished the restoration of his health. And here he was in the presence of his Lord. And so are we. The Lord Jesus is omnipresent. He is not only man, he is God and man. Scripture says, God in Christ. It's wonderful. God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And it is wonderful that he is approachable, that his will is right for us. You may be struggling just now. You have difficulties that you keep to yourself. There's no point in talking to others. They wouldn't understand in any case. But when you talk to your older brother, to our Lord and Saviour, he understands. And he has a very wise purpose in bringing you through the trauma that you have come through or you are going through. That is a wise purpose that we are not able to define or to understand. Uh, we look at the present chaos in the world, the awful savagery that sin in the human heart brings about. And we uh, 
reflect on how impossible the situation is. But scripture tells us that the situation is in control. It is in God's hands. And remember that the church is indestructible. There may be an invasion of evil spirits. There may be the demonstration of a departure from the word of God. But God will have his people, his witnesses. And not only among the oldies, but also among the young. And it's wonderful and lovely when you read and hear of... Uh, children whose faith rests upon the Lord who is able to save unto the uttermost. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so we see how this request is uh, made, no complaint about what he was, what he had suffered, or the problems that he had. But he is directing his prayer worshipful, in a worshipping way, eh, to our Lord himself, who had the power over disease. And his power over disease is also presented by our Lord himself as the evidence of his power to forgive sin. <clears throat> sin is a problem that you have and I have, and only God can deal with that sin. Only God can take control so that it doesn't destroy our lives. And uh, we see in the case of another man who had palsy, you will remember it's in Mark chapter 2 where at Capernaum there were people crowding into a house to the point that you couldn't enter in by the door inside where Jesus was. And at last there were some people who came carrying this palsy. He couldn't walk. He... They carried him and they took the roofing of part of the house and they lowered the bed down to our Lord. And when our Lord saw it, he said, your sins be forgiven you. Uh, but there were those present said, what blasphemy? What is he saying? Your sins are forgiven. Who can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Christ replied to them, in order to demonstrate what I have been saying, think what is more difficult to say thy sins be forgiven or to be healed of your disease but to demonstrate to you that I have power that no one of you has. He said to the sick of the palsy, 
rise up and walk. Take up thy bed and walk. And the posse did that. He's a wonderful saviour beyond what we are able to describe. Now, last of all, we come to the answer. And it's a gracious answer. Grace is an undeserved favour, and without that undeserved favour, none of us could be saved. None of us. None of us are good enough to present ourselves to God, to earn what we cannot receive except by grace the undeserved favour of God. A wonderful loving kindness, a wonderful mercy. And the New Testament tells us that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. We read that in Romans 5, uh, verse uh, 2. And also we read in John 1.17 that grace came by Christ Jesus. Christ will do to the sinner that approaches him for his help whatever is in his best interest. Now remember that there is this life and the life that is to come. And when we are asking, we are asking for the present. We cannot go beyond the present, at least except in our thoughts. But Christ is speaking about the life to come and what is happening now will be a shown for what it is worth in the life to come. What seemed to be against the believer in this life will be seen very clearly to be for him in the life to come. Do you believe that there is a life to come? Do you believe that you will die Do you believe that death can come at any time, whether you are young or old or whatever your circumstances may be? I am an old man, but lots of younger people may very well go before me. We just don't know when death will come. And Christ sees the end from the beginning. And what he does now, he does it for eternity. And uh, Scripture is full of the answers of Christ to people in need and Help is guaranteed to whosoever will. Now, that doesn't 
in any way cancel or attempt to cancel the doctrine of election. There's no question about that. But remember what Scripture says we know in part. And remember that the doctrine of election touches on the mind of God. We are not in a position to explain or to understand the great uh, solemnities of life. For example, God is the creator of all things. How was sin permitted to enter into his creation? You cannot answer that question, neither can I, neither can any theologian. And remember that whatever God does, his, all his attributes are in exercise. God never ceases to be what he is described in his word. God is love. <clears throat> love is self-giving. Now, God is always that. He never changes. God is just in all his ways. God delights in mercy. Judgment is his strange work. And you come to that word, and it's a very, very special word, whosoever, and you come across it in Scripture, whosoever will, let him drink of the water of life freely. My dear friend, I am saying that to you to take away what Satan uses as a barrier that is unbiblical. Jesus does not say, if you are of the elect, come to me. He never puts it that way. And as I so often refer to it, our Lord weeping over Jerusalem, our beautiful and blessed Lord, he is weeping over the city. And what is he saying? How often I would have gathered your children, but ye would not. Now, nobody knew better the doctrine of election than Christ did. He was God manifest in the flesh. And what I am saying to you, I am saying to myself, you and I, let us come together to our Lord and Saviour, as this leper did. We have the leprosy of sin. And let us... Use the same prayer. 
if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And the answer is guaranteed. I will be thou clean. What a wonderful Saviour. Look to him now. Look to him always. Seek the grace that would enable you to look to Jesus to do for you and in you infinitely beyond what you are able to ask or even to think. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we seek in the Spirit to worship Thee and to rejoice that the scepter is in Thine hand. And we pray that thy kingdom come, that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For thy great name's sake. Amen. Amen. Let us close singing in Psalm 80. Psalm 80. And from the the 17th verse the 17th verse of Psalm 80 O let thy hand be still upon the man of thy right hand the son of man whom for thyself thou madest strong to stand we shall sing to the end of the psalm to God's praise Oh, let thy hand be
intimations for <coughs> evening service at the usual time of 6.30 p.m. The prayer meeting on Thursday at the usual time of 7.30 p.m. The preacher yet to be arranged. Services next Sabbath at the usual times of 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. The preacher yet to be arranged. And all these intimations, God willing. <clears throat> the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Amen. Amen.